Good morning, church. How are y'all doing? Hey, my name is Savut, and I am the college and young adult pastor, and I'm grateful to be here this morning to share God's word with you. Um, but before we, we start, I want to share a quick story. About a month ago, I had a uh, nightmare um, that I was up on this stage teaching, okay? And in that nightmare, uh, what happened was uh, the PowerPoints were not formatted right, everything was going wrong, and I had no idea what was on the screen, and I was like, what am I supposed to teach? What am I supposed to say? And um, about 10 minutes into my lesson, I just vomited everywhere, okay? So, and then after I vomited, what happened was I uh, ran off the stage, got in my car and left, and uh, I got a lot of phone calls from church leadership, and I just kept ignoring every phone call. It's like, nope, nope, and I'm crying, obviously. So, um, anyways, after that, I woke up, and I was freaking out. It's like, oh, Lord, I hope this doesn't happen. So, front row, sorry. If I throw up, I will turn this way. And uh, I promise I will continue the message even after throwing up. So, um, so far, we are three for four. Um, the other three services, I haven't done that yet. So that's good. Uh, but I'm excited to be here with you this morning. If this is your first time, what we do is we go through books of the Bible, um, chapter by chapter, line by line, verse by verse. Last week, we started the book of James. And just like you see on the screen, this, this book is a simple, practical, and effective book if you ever wanna get um, punched in the guts, read the book of James. It reveals a lot about what to do. It's simple, but it's hard to apply. Um, Pastor Corey last week introduced the book of James and he covered the first half of chapter one. We learn about the trials and the maturity um, and the trials that we will go through in the first half. And what James says is to consider it as pure joy. And the reason we do that is so that we can endure. And when we endure in those trials, it will produce character, proven character that honors God. We'll look more like Christ. We'll grow stronger in our faith with Christ. At the very end, James finishes um, the first half and he says, by his own choice, he gave us birth by the word of truth so that we will be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. And that's what Pastor Corey finished with also. And that was the main point of um, that we are the pinnacle of creation, that we are God's masterpieces, that when he created us, he said that we are very good. And James talked about it last week that every good and perfect gift comes from God. And when we think about those good and perfect gifts, it has to include our lives as well. And so when we know that we belong to Christ, and the most important thing is what he says about us, that we have a new identity, it should change how we live, that we are to live with intentionality and purpose. And I just wanna be transparent here this morning with you all, church. You know, as I was sitting in the seats and Pastor Corey was sharing, there was something that really hit me. And it's when Pastor Corey talked about how those that are not near and close to Christ, and we're not consistent with Christ, then we're gonna be scattered. Man, I'm telling you guys, this past year has been some challenges in my life, and uh, there's been seasons where I have not been consistent. There's been seasons where I have not been in God's word. I've not held on tightly to him. And in those seasons, I felt it. I felt scattered. Life has been chaotic. But I'm so thankful that the opposite is true, is that when I am close to Christ, when I'm remaining in his word, when I'm diving into him and I'm holding on tightly to the firm foundation that is Christ, 
that no matter what goes on or around me, I'm gonna be okay. Right, that's the truth. And so I share that with you to tell you that when the team is up here teaching and the team that works at this church, we don't have life figured out. We're still learning. When we talk about the trials, we go through the exact same trials that many of us will go through that Jesus promises. This morning, when I talk about uh, we need to be doers of the word and not just hearers, I'm learning that as I continue to grow my relationship with Christ. And I share that to say we are an imperfect people but praise God that we share a perfect message about a perfect Christ. And so when you guys gather in this room this morning and each week, I hope and pray that you never worship any leaders, any church team members on this team because it's all about Christ. He's the only one that can save your souls. And so that's why you come here to worship. It's to worship Christ and Christ alone. And as first fruits, as the pinnacle of creation, what we will learn today so we are called to be doers of the word, not just hearers only. So it's a simple thing to understand, but it's hard to apply. So we're gonna be in James chapter one. We're gonna finish the rest of, the, of chapter one. And when you walked in, you should receive the notes handout. Everything that I will say will be on the Experience Community app and all of my notes will be on the screen. Let's go to God in prayer this morning. Father, thank you for who you are. Thanks for loving us the way you do. Thank you that you are the perfect father. God, remind us that you are the creator of the universe. Lord, this morning, I pray that this is all about you, that our time together as we dive into your word, God, that is such a gift to us that we get to open up your word. God, the gift to gather together and to worship, that's a gift for us. God, you are the only one worthy of worship. Pray for all the churches that are gathering right now and the communities that are gathering all over Tennessee and middle Tennessee area. I pray that you would bless those churches. I pray that we would make your name known, that everything we do is a life of worship to you. God, we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's go to verse 19. My dear brothers and sisters, understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. Therefore, ridding yourselves of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, humbly receive the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. So James gets straight to it. Um, he says, we are to be quick to listen and slow to speak. And when he says that, he's talking about our relationship with other people and how we talk with them and listen to them, but also our relationship with God. When I think about this command to be quick to listen, man, I think about this eagerness to hear and obey God. I think about that. When was the last time that we were eager to hear from God? Like excited, anticipating, looking forward to it. There are moments in my life and there are seasons where, man, I'm looking forward to it. I'm eager, I'm excited. And that's a good heart posture there. But then there are also other seasons where I'm like, man, I'm not really excited about getting, getting to spend time with my father. I'm not looking forward to it. I think there's something going on. And I think the issue is, uh, the truth in our lives is that we are eager and excited about a lot of things in this world. When we get, a, when we get eager about sports and about, money and about uh, being successful in our business, 
But there's a lot of things, and those aren't bad things, but when they become a priority over God, that's an issue. And so we have to be in a place of like, man, I want to be consistently excited that I get to spend time with the creator. That should be our, our posture of our heart. But I know it's not always easy. There are times, and just like we learned in the first half, there are gonna be trials and storms that we will go through. And if you've ever been in a storm and in a hard season, I've been there, you know that what happens is that you are consumed by the trial. Sometimes the weight is so heavy that you are overwhelmed with what you're going through. And it's gonna be incredibly easy and natural for us to just talk about all the hard stuff that's going on and all we can see, like Pastor Corey says, is we start to get myopic, right? We start to get nearsighted. This is all we see. We don't see what's on the other side. We don't see that God is with us. And it's difficult for us to take a step back and say, Lord, what are you trying to teach me in this? If we're so busy talking about the trial, there's no way we can listen to what God's trying to teach us. There's no way that we can be quick to listen. So then he says, hey, be quick to listen and slow to speak. So it's a progressive thing, right? Once, when we are quick to listen, we're going to be slow to speak. When we're slow to speak, we're gonna be slow to anger. And this one is a challenging one because there are a lot of people that will have seasons of hostile and bitter feelings. We cannot hear God if we're consistently distracted by the resentment that we have towards others and the hatred that we may have towards people. There are, but there's a big difference here. He says, human anger does not produce God's righteousness. And so the opposite is true though. There is a such thing as righteous anger. As a Christ follower, there are things in this world that happens that should make the Christian anger. We should, our hearts should break. For instance, when we see kids getting taken advantage of, when we see the creation being destroyed, our hearts should break for that. We should get angry about that. But when he talks about human anger, this is more, um, say for instance, we have this self-centered life and we have a way we're going. And we're like, man, I want to achieve this. This is the direction I'm going. And as soon as something happens or someone gets in the way, we're quick to get angry. Or for instance, if someone insults us, man, if someone says something bad about me, some of us will be quick to insult back. And I think in those moments, the truth is we have forgotten that God, what God says about us is the most important thing. Who we are in Christ is what matters, knowing that God is for us and not against us. And so we don't have to always insult back, but we need to be quick or slow to anger and not quick to be angry. So when the world looks at the church, because all of us, we have our sphere of influence, right? We have our workplaces um, and our classes and our neighborhoods and the restaurants, coffee shops that we go to, when we're driving, the truth is the world is watching. And there is a lost world out there. There are people looking for hope. And when they look at you as a church outside of these four walls, I wonder if the world sees a bunch of Christians just consistently arguing with each other. I wonder if the world sees Christians um, consistently just tearing, tearing each other down, being quick to be angry and quick to speak. They don't, and we don't show a genuine interest in people. I wonder if that's what the world sees. When the world looks at the church, the truth is it should find hope. 
It should see a body of believers who are united. They love each other because of the love that God has given us. And the last thing he finishes with here, he says, ridding yourselves of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent in you. That's the first thing we have to do. And so we gotta get rid of that. And so in order to receive God's word, it's a physical image too here. And so many of us were like, I wanna receive God, but we're walking around with our fists closed. We're walking around with tight fists. And some are walking around like that because we enjoy the things of the world. We enjoy our old life. And it's difficult to receive God's word if that's where we're at. And then there's some of us in this room, and I've been there where our fists are closed because we wanna be in control. And it's so hard to follow a God who is in control if we wanna be God ourselves. And so what we need to do is open up our hands and say, Lord, I wanna receive your word. I wanna receive you. This is the best way. This is a, this is a fun life right here. This is a um, restful life. It's just to say, Lord, I wanna follow you, whatever you have for me. There are things I know that we do hold on tightly and we should. There are some things like our marriages and our families and our kids and in those things, when, so if you are a parent in here, I want you to know that that's a gift to be a parent. That the kids that you have, they ultimately belong to God. And so the only way to raise them up in a way that honors God is to ask for God's help. It's to say, Lord, I, I can't do this on my own strength. I need your help. So I'm gonna walk with open-handed, even with my kids, even with the people that matter most, because I trust that you're gonna take care of us Let's go to uh, verse 22 here. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like someone looking at his own face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, he goes away, and he immediately forgets what kind of person he was but the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer who works, this person will be blessed in what he does. So the first thing he says is to not be hearers only. And I think that's one of the issues that we have in our culture is um, there's a lot of loud noises around us. So we have a hard time being in a place to actually hear but not you guys, because you guys are at church, right? You have this desire to hear from God, I hope. But I think the bigger issue that we face in Murfreesboro is that we often only listen and do nothing about it. That's the bigger issue. We come into the, the seats and the gathering. This is important. James is not minimizing the importance of hearing God's word and opening up his word and gathering weekly, right? Though that should be part of the Christian life. He's talking about the need for action to do something about what we just learned. And the truth is, church, right, right now, as we open up God's word, this should not be the only time we open up God's word. So think about the rest of your week. What does that look like? Are you diving into God's word? Are you excited to read what he's saying to us? Are you, are you excited to learn more about him? God wants a listener to become a disciple, basically an obedient follower of Jesus. The first three years of my life, when I followed Christ, I was just a hearer only, consistently. I would come to church, and here's what I would do. I'm, 
would listen to something or read something or the pastor would say something and I would go to my journal, I'm like, write down that quote or whatever he just said. Like, that sounded really cool. That sounded really good. And then what I would do is I would go home and put the journal away and then forget what I just heard. I would continue to live how I've been living. So for me, it was more of a religious life. It was, I'm just gonna come to church once a week and that's the only time I open up God's word. But what changed for me, and this is, this is maybe the step that we all need to take if we're not there yet, is to surround ourselves with authentic community. And that's why we talk about life groups. Getting involved in life groups means, man, people live life with me, people will know me. And when I learn something, when I hear something from God and he's telling me something, then I can share it with the people that love me. And what will happen is, they will hold me accountable. There will be people in my life, older, older men in my life that will say, Sabut, you shared, us, you shared this with us about a few weeks ago. How is that going? That's what we need, right? We need people to push us and to encourage us and to challenge us, to love us, to point us to Christ. And then he says, to be a doer of the word, right? And he gives this picture and his analogy about mirrors. So mirrors show us a problem so that we can sort it out, right? So that we can fix it. So this morning when I woke up and I got ready, I looked at myself I'm like, okay, I gotta fix my hair, right? And so I'm, if, if I see that, the normal thing to do is to fix my hair how I want it. Now, the, the weird thing to do is to see the problem. It's like, bro, your hair looks dumb, and you walk away, right? That would be weird. Or if we see something on our face, and we're like, that, that shouldn't be there. And you're like, you ignore it. You're like, oh, it's, it's fine. We're going to walk around looking like fools, right? But that's what some of us do with God's word. God's word is to have the same effect. When we read God's word, it shows us how to live. And it also shows us our need for him. So when we read something like the book of James, that's very practical. There are gonna be moments that there's gonna be things that convict us, that the Lord is revealing to us. And the normal thing to do, if we say we love Christ, to say, yes, Lord, I'm going to surrender that. Yes, Lord, I'm gonna actually do what you're telling me to do. Church, it's not enough just to understand what the Bible says. It's not enough just to say, oh, I, I get that. That sounds good. Because here's the truth, in chapter two, we're gonna learn that even the demons believe there's one God and they shudder. So even the demons believe. And so the difference for us is to say, Lord, I, I, I love you. Lord, I hear what you're saying. Lord, I'm going to surrender and submit to you because you are my king. That's the difference. And so we need to be obedient to be doers of the word. And if we obey God's word, here's the result. James says, we will be blessed in this life. We're gonna be blessed. What that looks like is blessing that happens now. Sometimes I think many of us are like, man, following Christ, if I can just do this, that in the next life I get the blessings. No, we, get, we are changed now. When we surrender to God's word, he changes us now. He starts to transform us daily to make us look more like him. And so whatever areas of your life, maybe it's your marriage or your finance or um, your relationships, your work, whatever area, I, I encourage you to surrender that to God and say, God, I wanna follow the ways that you have designed it to be. And I promise you, 
it's going to work. And the reason I know that is because I've tried the other, the many other ways. I've tried to, to handle my finances contrary to what the Bible says. I've tried to handle relationships contrary to what the Bible says and my work and all these different things. And can I just tell you, all the other ways suck, right? And maybe you're like, yeah, amen, I've tried it too. But the weird thing is like, we know it doesn't work and we know it sucks. And sometimes we still go back to the other ways. But I also know it works because I've seen many people surrender and submit to God and their lives are transformed forever. They're headed into a different direction. And that's the same truth for you. If we will apply what God's word says, it changes us now. He talks about this, to look intently into the perfect law of freedom. And if we persevere and we submit to it and we obey during the trials that we discover this blessing and this freedom. And so when you talk about freedom, I think sometimes we think that freedom is I can do whatever I want. There's no constraints, there's no boundaries. Basically, we think sometimes freedom is no one can tell me how to live. I've tried that. It leads to emptiness. We just read in the book of Esther this past year at the church and the king is having a festival, right? And in his festival, uh, King Xerxes talks about, hey, there's no limitations to how much you can drink. You can do whatever you want. And that's what they did. And it led to disaster and chaos and emptiness. And if we try to live life and say, there's no boundaries, I can do whatever I want, it's going to lead to destruction for us too. But in the Bible, real freedom is the right kind of constraint. It's the right kind of boundaries. Every command that the perfect father God gives us is because he loves us. It's purely out of his love for us. He knows what's best for us. It's out of a desire for us to flourish as his first fruits, just like we learned in, chapter, in the first half of chapter one, that we are the pinnacle of creation. And the only way we're able to live in that identity is to say, I'm going to follow the boundaries that God has for me. I'm gonna live in these lanes. There's things that he's protecting us from. And so the example that I think about often is gonna be God's design for marriage. God says there's a certain way for marriage. One man, one woman in the confines of marriage and a design for sex, right? And when we go contrary to the way he designed it, it starts to have, people start to experience STDs. People start to experience failed marriages. People start to experience destruction in families for generations because we, we decided we know what's best. All right, last part, verse 26 and 27. If anyone thinks he is religious without controlling his tongue, his religion is useless and he deceives himself. Pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained from the world. And so when we obey God's word and we submit to a relationship with God, it changes us and it will start to show itself out in different kind of, in the fruit that we bear and the life that we live. When people look at us, they will know that guy's, that guy's a follower of Christ. If we live a life of obedience, it's going to show itself in the pure religion. But if we don't, then James says, your religion is worthless. 
There's three areas that James highlights here, and we're gonna talk about those three. James talks about pure religion. What we talk about at the Experience Church is our mission, and that's to make authentic followers of Jesus. And so someone who has an authentic relationship with Jesus shows itself out in many ways, but here's the three ways that James highlights. It's controlling the tongue. Oh boy, a lot of people felt that, right? Like, that's, that's me. At, looking after orphans and widows, caring for uh, love and other people, and then keeping oneself unstained from the world. So our words are powerful. And maybe you're looking at her, you're like, this is sweet. He only has one slide on it. But let me tell you, James devotes most of chapter three to this topic. So church, please don't skip chapter three. We need to hear that as a community. We need to hear that as a church. Because if we hear and we receive and we become a doer of God's word, then the truth is our words will be under the control of the Holy Spirit. Taming the tongue is a difficult thing. That's why it says no one can tame it. We need the help of the Holy Spirit. Our words have the power to build up someone or to destroy them. And so do we honor God with how we speak? We have to be honest with ourselves. Do we honor God with how we speak? And maybe you're in here and you're like, yeah, I, I honor God with how I speak when I'm in church. Well, that's very good, right? That's awesome. What about at work? Do we honor God with how we speak at work? Maybe you're like, man, I do it at church and at work, but man, when I'm with this certain group of friends, I say some crazy stuff, and I'm like, where did that come from? Or you participate in gossip. That's a big one in the church. If you're wondering all these things, you're like, man, I have no idea where that comes from. I think Jesus says it. In Matthew 12, he says, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So every now and then, or maybe it's consistent, I think when we say things that are contrary to the character of God, it's because we've been feeding our minds and our ears and our hearts with things that are contrary to the character of God. So when we take in garbage, the truth is we will eventually spill out garbage. But the truth, the other side of that is so awesome is that when we feed our minds and our hearts with the word of God consistently, then we're gonna spill out the word of God. We will start to love others and build others up and that's where we need to be as a church. And so that's the first thing. He talks about our words. The second thing he says, if you, if you were following Christ and obeying his word, it's going to show itself out in our love for other people. So it would give us, it's gonna change our hearts, it's gonna soften our hearts and we will have a heart of genuine compassion and a true engagement. And this hit home for me because this past year, in my marriage with my wife, there have been many days and nights where we're like, we're going on a date and we're spending time together. We're, we're driving home from work together. And the truth is I'm physically present, but there have been many times, more often than not, that I have not been truly engaged with my wife. And I think many of us can experience that a little bit. We can relate to that. And here's my reason. We're sitting at the dinner table and I get a lot of notification on my phone or I surf the internet, or I will look at news, or I, whatever, and I will look at the phone and my wife is sitting there talking to me, just wanting my attention, wanting me to be truly engaged with her. Man, that's been the most convicting thing for me this past year. And I know those with kids, and I've talked with some parents, and they always tell me, man, time flies with my kids. 
And so if you have kids, if we are truly engaged in God's word, what's going to happen is gonna change our heart to show us what really matters. In church, what really matters is the people around us. And so your spouse, your family, your friends, those who are you around consistently, those are the people that we should be truly engaged with. And many of us need to put the dang phone down and just say, you know what? I don't need the phone right now. I need to look, look at my, my family in the eyes. We're also gonna be determined to care for the needy, to care for those that are in distress, the most vulnerable in our community. Their distress is gonna matter to us. We're not gonna have a calloused heart. I've been in those seasons where I see someone that are, that's having the hardest time of their life. They're at the lowest point in their life. And I look back and I feel so much shame for it because in those seasons, even people I call family that are really close to me, when someone loses a loved one or someone is in need, when I'm not connected to God's word, my heart is callous to them. I look back and I wish I could change that, right? And maybe many of us, we've missed many opportunities because we've had calloused hearts. When we follow God's word, it's gonna soften our heart, it's gonna change our heart, and we're gonna actually do something. We're gonna step into the gas. We're going to step into the lives of people that are in need. We're gonna truly engage with them. We're gonna show them the love of Christ. Maybe you're hearing all this and you're like, it's my money, it's my time. I do what I want with it. We just learned last week that every good and perfect gift comes from God, which means the United States, we have more than enough, more than enough. We have the time, we have the finance. It's just, what are we gonna do with it to honor God? How are we gonna worship God with it? Because at the end of the day, it all belongs to God. And in my life, this Psalm really hit me. Psalm 68 says that God is a father to the fatherless. He helps those who are helpless. If you are a Christ follower in this room, you know the truth that right before you met Christ, your life before Christ, we were helpless. We were hopeless. And some of us, we felt that experience of being without an earthly family. And in that, God stepped in and loved us when we needed him. And he still loves us today. And so if God is a father, who's, who's, if he's a perfect father to you, why are we holding back loving other people? That should transform us. It should make us take that step to help the needy. And the last thing he says is being a doer of God's word, he says, will result in one being unstained from the world. We call this as a, as, as a church, holiness. We're gonna be set apart. What this looks like is this demands a freedom from contaminations by the world. Like, think about that. We, we all have souls, and as Christ followers, some of us have, we've let the world come into our souls and pollute our lives. We've let it contaminate us. There's been some toxic thing, things that's come into our lives. The culture of the world is loud. I get that, man. Like, every ad, every, on, on the radio, everywhere I go, it's a loud voice trying to get my attention for all of us. And unfortunately, what we have done is we've given it our attention and we've tuned out the Bible. And so when it comes to finance or relationships or the things in our lives, we'll go to the world to look for answers. And all along, we have what we need with God. He gives us what we need in his word. And so as first fruits, as God's 
pinnacle of creation, we are to live with intentionality and purpose. That's where Pastor Corey finished with last week. And when we understand this, when we have, when we're intentional with our lives and our lives, and we have new purpose because of who Christ says we are, we have this new identity in him, then we will be set apart from the world. We will be in the world, but we will not be of the world. And so as we wrap up our time this morning, it's gonna be a simple and practical um, application here. It's gonna be, how do we hear God's word? How do we receive God's word? And how do we become doers of God's word? So the first thing is, in order to hear the word, we need to tune out the loud noises around us. Man, what are those things in your life right now that is just super loud? It's consistently on your mind. You've given it so much attention. What is it in your life? Some things are good, and so what you need to do is turn the volume down, make God the priority, right? Some of those things are not terrible, but then there are some things that are just terrible, and what you need to do is burn it, get rid of it, throw it away, put it to death. We need to talk less and listen more. And that sounds so simple. One of my, you know, in, in college, one of my favorite classes I took was a listening class. And it was awesome because it showed me how much I suck at listening. <laughs> and I'm, I'm still learning to be a better listener. And one of the practical ways that we can be a better listener is to show a genuine interest in people, is to ask them questions. When someone is sharing something with you, don't just think about what you're going to say. Don't try to say, well, this is where this is what I felt, this is what I'm doing, this is what I went through, it's tell me more about yourself. Tell me more about that situation. That's how we truly engage with people. But I know the truth of all of us is that we have this desire to be known and to be loved. And so we wanna talk, we wanna share, and I get that, guys. But here's a truth that I want us to hear this morning. There is a perfect father who fully knows you, who gives you his full attention. And so we don't have to continue to try to fight for attention from people when we are fully known by the God of the universe. And we surrender to that and say, God, I'm so thankful that I have your full attention. I'm so thankful that I get to talk with you. And here's the cool thing is when we show a genuine interest in God, when we take our relationship with God seriously, he's going to give us a genuine interest in people. That's how it works. When we surrender to God and he transforms our hearts, we're going to love like he does. If we are quick to anger, we have bitter and hostile feelings, the truth is we need God's help to find healing. We need God's help to be slow to anger. There's a story in 1 Samuel chapter three. And in this story, uh, Eli is this older guy who can't see and Samuel in the middle of the night he hears his name twice, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel wakes up and he's like, Eli, what do you need help with? And Eli's like, no, no, go, go back to sleep. I didn't call your name. He hears his name again and then Samuel tells him, or, or Eli tells Samuel, hey, I know who it is. It's God talking to you. What I want you to do is to say this. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Church, imagine if that was the posture of our heart. Before we opened up God's word, we woke up and we said, 
speak, God, I'm listening to you. Before we came to church, on our way here during worship, what if our posture, um, the, heart of, uh, the posture of our heart was to say, God, speak to me, I'm listening to you. Speak to me, I'm listening to you. That should be the direction, the prayer of all of our lives. And so when we hear the word, how do we receive it? How do we let it soak in so that it can change us? What's the posture of our heart when we hear God's word? How do we receive it? Matthew 13 is uh, the parable of the sowers. And in this parable, when I talk about the seed, it's gonna be God's word. And then when I talk about the different soils, that's gonna be the posture of our heart. So some of us in this room have the soil of the concrete or the path. It's a hardened heart. This means the soil or the seed falls and it doesn't take root at all. These are people who are quick to anger. These are people who are in love with the world. These are people who says, I don't want anyone to tell me how to live. This is basically someone who is full of pride. Someone who says, I don't need any help. I'm good with the direction I'm going. And if that's the case, no wonder the word of God doesn't penetrate our hearts because we don't want it. That's a hardened heart. The next soil we hear about is the rocky soil. These are people who bank on emotions. This is super high highs or super low lows. What happens here is maybe some of us in this category believed that following Jesus was gonna be comfortable and easy. If you came in into this idea of following Jesus and someone told you it was gonna be easy, they lied to you. The word says that we will have trials, that we're gonna face persecution, that we're gonna go through the storms. But the word also says, Jesus says, take heart, I've overcome that. In the end, Christ wins. But unfortunately, the rocky soil, what happens is um, the word takes root, but it doesn't go deep. It's a shallow path. And what happens here is when the storms come, they give up. When it gets difficult or uncomfortable, we're tapping out, we're done. We saw this happen a lot in 2020. Uh, churches everywhere were packed. People were Christ followers. Then when the world started to fall apart, people scattered, people left. People said, I'm done, I don't want to do this anymore. This idea of following Jesus is weird, it's hard. Thinking in that season, what most people were doing, they were just being religious. They were coming to church once a week. They didn't have an authentic relationship with Christ. And so we have to make sure our soil is not rocky, that we have a deep root that is space for the word of God to grow. And some will have the soil that's crowded with thorns. And in this soil, this is basically people who still love other gods. It's like, God, you're awesome. And I wanna worship you. I wanna surrender to you. But I also love these other gods too. And so the word of God takes roots and then it starts to grow. But then what happens, it's surrounded by a lot of weeds, surrounded by a lot of, other gods. And what we need to do here is this hard work of consistently making God the priority and saying, all right, I got to let go of these things. I got to remove these weeds in my life. Here's where we all need to be. Here's where we should strive for is to have the good soil. These are people that have a heart and a heart posture of surrender to say, 
Lord, I need your help. Lord, I can't do this without you. God, I want to follow your word. I want to do what you say is best. The soil is soft. It's not hard like the concrete. It's not hard like the path. It's deep. It's not shallow like the rocky ground. It's clean. It's not cluttered like the one that's uh, cluttered with thorns and weeds. It has space for God to take over our lives. This heart posture will lead us to receive the word and to be transformed into the first fruits, the pinnacle creation, the masterpieces that God has called us to be. And the last part is to be doers of the word. Jesus talks about this in the Sermon on the Mount. He, there's two different builders he talks about. He says, hey, if you hear, for those that hear my word and does what I say, that person is a wise builder who builds his house on a rock. And when the storms come, it stood firm, had a firm foundation. This is someone who lives a life of obedience, who says, I hear what God is saying, and I'm going to do what he says. I'm going to hold on tightly to him. And people that live like this, what this looks like is no matter what happens around us, if we hold on tightly to God, we're gonna be okay. We got a firm foundation. The second builder is someone who hears the word, hears what God is saying, but doesn't do them. Doesn't do what he's said is, said is good. Doesn't do what he's telling us to do. This is someone who is a foolish builder, builds his house, house on sand, and when the storms come, it wipes it away, and it was a great collapse. So people who live like this, this is a life of disobedience to his word. We're gonna have an unstable foundation, and it's going to collapse, not just in this life. If we continue to live like that for the rest of our life here on earth, it's gonna be a great, great collapse in the next life too. And so where are we at? We gotta look in the mirror. It's gonna show itself out in our words. How do we speak? our love for others, our, do we have callous hearts? And then what we spend our time, energy, and money on, are we unstained from the world or have we let the world pollute our lives? That's gonna show us if we are a doer of the word, just a hearer only. There's a prayer that I pray periodically, lately more often than not, and it's this bold prayer, but it's a much needed prayer, and I think that's the same truth for the church. In Psalm 139, it says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my concerns. See if there is any offensive way in me. Man, that's a scary prayer. Lord, show the darkness in my heart. Show me the blind spots. But then this is beautiful. Lead me in the everlasting way. And so asking God to reveal the darkness in our heart is a great place to start. But man, when we get to this point, we better be ready for what God tells us. We better be ready for what God shows us. Sometimes he's gonna say, hey, you're prideful in this area. Hey, you are not trusting me in this area. Hey, you gotta get rid of that relationship. Hey, you gotta cut that off. And so if we're at this point, this is good, but that's not where we end. You know, James just said, don't just be hearers of the word. You have to do what he says. So acting on what he reveals to us is where we need to be as a church. And so what is God telling you in this season? What will God continue to tell you? And how will you respond? Would you guys bow your heads, close your eyes. We'll go to God in prayer.
Church, the posture of our hands matter. Do we have open hands? Are we walking around saying, Lord, I need your help? Or do we have closed fists? The posture of our heart matters. What kind of soil do we have? We're either gonna live a life of obedience or a life of disobedience. What kind of builder will we be? If you have questions about anything in life, if you need prayer, if you wanna talk to somebody, to my right, your left, it's Pastor Rachel. She would love to talk with you. On both sides of the stage, there are men and women that would love to pray with you. Whatever you need prayer for, your finance, relationships, marriage, uh, maybe it's your tongue, whatever you need prayer for, please come up and ask for prayer. And then all around the room, there is communion available. This morning, we're gonna, we're gonna have a pastor come up and lead us through a time of communion as a church. And so we ask that you grab communion and then come back to your seats and then we'll take it together. God, you're so good to us. Lord, we love you. I pray that as we leave this room that we would be a doer of your word. Whatever you tell us, we just wanna surrender to you because you know what's best for us. Thanks for loving us, protect us, keep us safe until we meet again, Lord. We love you in Jesus' name, amen.